Hello, everyone, and welcome to Co-Ops Connect. I'm your host, Abby Carreri, Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Connexon. Each episode, we bring you authentic, heartfelt stories from rural electric cooperatives deploying fiber broadband networks to serve their territories. We sit down with co-op leaders who are tackling head-on the rewards and challenges of bridging the digital divide in rural America, one mile of fiber at a time. Connexon is proud to be at the forefront of the electric cooperative fiber broadband movement. Partnering with co-ops across the country to transform communities with world-class fiber internet. Our values align with the cooperative principles of sharing resources and working together to improve services and lives of the members served by our co-ops. So, no matter where you are in your broadband journey, whether you're contemplating getting started or already laying fiber cable on your network, tune in to Co-ops Connect to hear directly from the changemakers who are powering progress at the speed of light in their own rural communities. So welcome to another episode of Co-Ops Connect. With us today is Carrie Kelton, CEO of Mid-South Electric Cooperative and Mid-South Fiber, their new broadband subsidiary. Mid-South Electric is based in Navasado, Texas and serves more than 26,000 members. Mid-South Fiber officially launched in late 2019, and you began connecting customers the third quarter of 2020. Today, you have over 1,100 fiber customers connected to high-speed internet. Welcome, Carrie, and thank you for joining us today. Hey, I'm glad to be here with you today. It's exciting to get to talk about this incredible project, and um, it's, it's one of those things we're just proud to talk about every day. So your fiber journey um, at Mid-South has been a long and unique one as far back as 2008 when Hurricane Ike struck the Houston area. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. And for us, um, our journey to fiber has been a long one, uh, probably longer than most. And that all started during Hurricane Ike. As Houston was evacuated, they evacuated into our service territory, and it, which put a lot of stress, a lot of pressure on the cell communications networks. It, um, it jammed roads and everything else. It was, it was a tough time um, for the cooperative. And then as the hurricane did come across Houston, it did impact our service territory. And we had uh, members out for quite some time. And, and we had a lot of infrastructure in place. We had an automated metering system. We, so we could tell if members were, were out, if meters were on, we had those things in place. We have a SCADA system that not only controls the substations, it controls our downline reclosers, but we were using the cell network on some of that. We had traditional um, microwave communications for some of our other networks. And with, we just kind of got overrun with, uh, with all the cell phones coming out of Houston, our area just saturated. We could no longer use cell phones as a backup source of communication. So we struggled there. And we struggled communicating with some of our devices. What would have made it a restoration effort a little easier, um, it was harder because we didn't have those things in place that we had planned for. So we began to look at, at alternatives. How can we get better communication to each of our substations so we could better control our AMI system? How can we get communications out to our, um, our reclosers down line that are struggling to communicate? And, and so 
we 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 looked we we looked at microwave technologies and we kind of started looking at fiber fiber was very expensive but it was hard for us to kind of quantify that we didn't have a lot of fiber there wasn't a lot of fiber being deployed by electric cooperatives and so we kind of just started waiting and we we started evaluating we, we just kind of kept looking and wireless seemed like the way to go because of cost um, that usually came down to cost and so we we dug into the different wireless solutions that were available to us at the time. And as we came through that time, uh, we, we just never found a product that we felt like worked for us. And so from there, we had Hurricane Harvey. Um, Hurricane Harvey then impacted us, uh, not near as bad. Um, it didn't quite come right over our system, but we did have some impacts. And so we realized that by then we needed to make a decision and it was time for us to move forward. So we began to look at a fiber solution and we were going to build a fiber backbone just for Mid-South. And we were going to tie kind of our southern areas close to Houston back to our, our Navasota office so we could run SCADA and do some things. And then we had this, we thought from there we would ring our system and, and we would do it that way. Basically, our members were the ones that said, we need this. And I think that's been well received. This year, we had already started building, and then we had a pandemic. And now member requests have gone through the roof. <laughs> so our members today just are, are even more, they realize the need. Maybe it was a want, and now today it's a need. And our board has seen that it's gone from just something that we thought we, it was something good for a few people. Now they realize it's good for a lot of people. As a board, sometimes they were wondering, okay, will our members really subscribe to broadband? Okay, maybe our more urban members would, would need broadband, but maybe our, our rural people, they just need something. They don't really need high-speed broadband. And the pandemic really proved in to, to our board, we kind of knew it, but it proved to our board that everyone, even those in the rural area, they really need high-speed broadband. If you're gonna do um, education from home, you really need high-speed broadband. If you're gonna work from home, you really need high-speed broadband. Just this last week, we, we connected one of our first two test business customers. And the second one was an auction barn. And okay, an auction barn, you're thinking, okay, do they really need a cattle auction? So do they really need access to broadband? In this case, basically it was the traditional auction barn. Everybody had to come to the auction to be able to bid. Uh, during the pandemic, it was, it was hard to get bidders to come. Uh, they had a few, but not a lot. And it was something that they wanted to take their auction globally. And so they held, held just last week their first online auction. So they had people in the stands at the auction. They also had internet bidders. They had one of the best auctions they've ever had. And um, they just can't wait. Our local um, members that were settled, selling cattle all of a sudden realized what broadband to that auction meant to them because now their prices were gonna be higher because it was more than a, a handful of local bidders. These were nationwide, worldwide, but a lot of nationwide bidders uh, for their cows. And so 
just a phenomenal story of what fiber can mean back to your community. And, and, and I have several board members that happened to, to use that um, auction facility and they all called me afterwards and said, Carrie, I know that you told us this would be great for the rural area. It is phenomenal for the rural area. And so anyway, another, another short story. So anyway, great. Yeah, but it it's, just it's takes exciting. like one of those examples, right? Because it, it's it so true how much you can expand your reach um, in, in a bidding auction, because that needs to be in real time. You need to have sufficient internet speeds to take care of real time when you're bidding in an auction and That's to correct. take it from a local into a national, it, it does wonders for, for the community, for the, for their business to thrive and, and then to reach further out. So I think that's an amazing example. And so, you know, looking back, I know when you had some early communication with Connexon, as you mentioned, um, you were in the early stage of exploring. You, you were looking to connect your substations and, and doing an ADSS, you know, network to connect internal communications. And then it went from a very small pilot, let's, let's like, let's get our feet wet in this, um, and then it went into full-blown, let's just like provide this to all of our membership. So could you kind of dive into like more of the details around that on, on your thought process around that, rallying your team around that, and then rallying the board around making that decision to full-fledged move forward from just connecting your, your internal communications, as you discussed earlier, to actually building out to your entire membership? Sure. And when we have a our internal team, we started looking and we knew that broadband would be great for our communities. It was the price tag and worrying about all of that because that's where our board, when we had looked at it a few years before, they had just said the price tag's too big. They really didn't want to listen to it. Not, not in a bad way, but it just, the numbers scared them. And, and that happened with a lot of electric cooperatives. We're not the only one that it, it, it was that way. And, but, you know, the numbers were big and the numbers were scary. And, and, you know, do people really need this? And so as we worked through the process with Connexon, and, and you all helped us out a lot here. And we went from, okay, we, we did the feasibility study. We had this ADSS, y'all helped us finish that build and get that in place because we really needed that and we'd already kind of had it planned. Y'all helped us get that in place. And, and one of the things early on is, is we had to decide between ADSS and uh, Strand and Lash. And a lot of engineers, cooperative engineers, which that's what I used to be prior, in a prior role, um, really liked the idea of ADSS. And, and, I, and I still do. I, today, I think we realize some of the limitations that it has versus when we started, but we had already purchased that and y'all helped us finish that project, uh, which was huge on our part because we really needed that for our internal communications that had to get done. And then you helped us develop and talk about how do we finish the rest of our system? Is it ADSS? Is it strand and lash? What are we gonna do? And so we, we talked to the board we have the, this project with the ability to communicate. And we said, okay, how do we move forward? And because the numbers were so big, they said, well, let's just do a pilot project. And so that's what we initially talked to Connexon about. Okay, let's just do a pilot project. We'll connect anybody on this line and we'll just see if members really wanna connect or not. That was kind of the, the thought process. Not gonna cost us a lot of extra money. Let's just, let's just do that. 
Okay. And then it was, okay, well, now that started looking good. We haven't even finished that project, but the number of members that were contacting us was so big, we decided, okay, let's do, and connects on, y'all helped us realize, okay, and we had built ADSS, so we knew the limitations now. And we realized that strand and lash was the way forward if we were going to build a broadband network. And so we took that, that information and we realized what we needed to do. We said, okay, well, let's, let's transition our pilot to two substations. So we went from just to basically we were going to serve anybody that was kind of along that main line to now two substations. Okay. So it's kind of a, a pilot that was going to be very small to a pilot with two substations. And as so that was where we started and we were just going to do a quick pilot, two substations, come back, reevaluate where we were going to go. We haven't even finished those two substations and the board by then was already built in or bought in. I'm sorry. It was, they were bought in as we were building out. They bought into the financials. And, and that was some of that was connects on helping us through the financial feasibility process. And they they were able to get comfortable with the large numbers. As long as the members subscribed, then, then they felt like, okay, well, this is going to turn out great. And it was because of member request, they finally said, okay, let's do a five-year build out. And okay, that's great. We haven't even finished the first, we hadn't even finished, we were probably now six months into the build and the board went from let's move from a five-year fees five-year build out to a three-year build out, um, and that was about uh, six months ago, uh, actually nine months ago. This is probably right about the time of the start of the the pandemic, and now post-pandemic, our I'm hoping it's over, uh, but you know a year later here uh, we're sitting here and our, my board is saying, Carrie. Is there any way we can move that down to a two-year build instead of a three-year build? And so, but the reason why they're doing that is all based on the member, you know, feedback that they're getting. Demand. It's demand. And they want it's, it. It's members saying, when are we going to get it? How soon can we get it? This is impacting our lives. We need it now. And so... You know, I know that's, again, we talked through this whole process, but it wasn't easy as a CEO. It's not easy as a board to make the decision on a huge project that's going to take time and resources and you got to go borrow the funds and, and you, you hope members come to, to subscribe. I, I think from our perspective, as a CEO, um, I probably walk there faster because I live it every day. Uh, board members probably get that a little bit slower because they're looking at it at best once a month during your, your discussions. And we talked about this an hour or two, every board meeting for probably a year. And, and so it doesn't come, it, it, it's not going to happen quick. We kind of talked to them a little bit, but once they saw, okay, yes, let's do a pilot. And we kept talking, okay, let's do a little bit bigger pilot. And we kept talking some more and then it was, okay, let's do, you know, after the Connexon feasibility, let's do a five-year, a five-year build. And then they came back again and said, okay, great. It's looking really good. Let's now move it down to a three-year. And so 
and and we're still working out with connects on can we move it to a two year so so that's you know but the, that's happening that's what happens with boards and once the board body in um now my board is fully bought in to they've gone in probably three years from no you know we don't want to build a broadband network to carry can we build it and let's build it faster yeah so uh, it when you say build your members quicker as a ceo it's always really easy um and you say okay yes we can build faster um we've worked with connexon's team and they say oh yes you can build faster and we it just it's a matter of more contractors and so you know it it sounds really easy and i'll admit it sounds really easy for the ceo to say I think for the rest of my team, they're going to say they're 100% on board with that and they want it to go faster, but it does require extra effort on everybody's part. And Connexon's been a part of that. You've got to make sure your planning is ahead a little bit more. But I'll, I will say what allows us to speed up is our, you know, the make ready engineering is kind of where it all starts. And so we, we're having to push the make ready engineering to get it done faster. And so we, we actually chose a different approach than some electric cooperatives. We chose to have our electric system flown with a, with a drone. And so basically we had GPS points on our poles, which we already have, but we were able to work that back. We have pictures of every pole. And so we were able to more, I guess it was quicker on our part. It was definitely more expensive but we got more than just the make ready data. We got some other poll data that we wanted to make sure our system was in a little better shape. It allowed us to do some different things. And so, but that flying the system was quicker than the walking pole to pole. And so we were able to kind of get ahead um, on that perspective. So that's allowing us to go to the next phase. The next phase is of course, actually doing that system improvement on your electric system to get ready for the fiber to come. So that's the actual make ready. That means a lot more contractors. And that means we've got to have more contractors. That means more of our internal people making sure that those contractors are getting their work done and staying on task. That means a whole lot more locates, which is, um, a, you know, you, you think, okay, locates, and I heard this from actually a couple of CEOs before we started the process, locates can be a pain. And let's just say locates can be a pain, but you're working through that process to make sure we're getting all of our locates done. And in the rural area, sometimes those rural water systems don't have um, their system GPS or they, it's harder for them to locate out in the rural areas. So we're having to work with our, our local water companies to know we're we're coming through here. We're going to come through here really fast. And so it's it. There's a lot of logistics on the front end, and then it's more fiber crews to get them up and running. Okay. Well, now that's that's more Connexon's got to bring in more team members to help oversee those fiber crews. Okay, we can do all that. And now here's the piece that I know we keep talking about internally. If you speed up all of those processes but you can't speed up the actual delivery to the member. So the, the fiber is sitting there, it's ready to go. You've got to have your drop crews, more drop crews available, and you've got to have more home installation crews available. 
unlike some other cooperatives, because you all have launched other subsidiaries inside of your business, um, you have a, a larger marketing team than most. Um, so I would love to hear about kind of the size of your marketing team. I know, but the listeners don't know, but also kind of your, your thought process behind rebranding. You know, that's something that you all did across the board. We've only had one other cooperative um, that we work with, maybe two. Um, so very few have actually rebranded their co-op subsidiary and their broadband subsidiary at the same time. So can you give us some, some feedback on how you went about that process, what the decision, how the decision went to do that, and then how you all rolled it out and how it was well received within your membership? So our marketing team is, is, you know, for electric cooperatives, we have three people in our marketing team, you know, and that's for electric cooperatives, that's pretty large. Um, but we also have a consulting firm we use um, that has a lot of resources that we lean on heavily, as well as we're a member of Touchstone and others. And, and so I, I think for us that it's using all of those pieces has always helped and, and we have to market, we have to communicate. Um, it's, it's something that we feel like we have to do. And we, we realized that probably over 20 years ago with our other subsidiaries electric cooperatives aren't good usually at communicating. And so we have to work at that. And it's still something we have to work at communicating and, and marketing and advertising to our members on a regular basis. And so we feel like we're getting better at it. I wouldn't say we've arrived, but we're getting better at that um, and through the years. But this is an area we realized that we probably needed to have a rebrand. So 20 years ago when we added our other subsidiaries, we rebranded ourselves from then from Mid-South Electric Cooperative Association, the traditional co-op name uh, to Mid-South Synergy. And we did that because Mid-South was kind of who we, we were kind of known as, but we did need to say Mid-South Electric and Mid-South Water and Mid-South Internet, dial-up internet at the time. We, we went to Mid-South Synergy trying to bring everything together into one call center, one logo, one name, one brand, and that worked, except for our neighboring IOU about the same time we rebranded, not too long later, they rebranded and were purchased by Intergy. And so now we had Synergy, and, and if you're from Texas, you don't say Intergy, you say Energy. So we had Synergy and Energy, and people started getting confused. And we've probably lived with that for probably 10 years, maybe 15 years or so, and just didn't want to have to go through a whole nother rebrand, didn't want to have to rebrand trucks and, and logos and websites. It was just too expensive. We were focused on other things and we just said, okay, we'll live with it. As we started our fiber thought process and, and with Connexon, y'all were there to help us out. And, you know, we talked about what's the name of our subsidiary going to be and how are we going to rebrand ourselves? And, and so we actually had a, a our consulting firm did some, um, some studies to find out, okay, what should we call ourselves? You know, how do people see Mid-South? What do they call us? And by far, most people identified with Mid-South and they identified with Mid-South Electric Cooperative. They didn't know who Synergy was that was Mid-South Electric Co-op. And, and it wasn't cooperative association, it was just Mid-South Electric Co-op. And so Mid-South being the key phrase, 
And so after we decided, okay, for our broadband subsidiary, we'll go with Mid-South Fiber instead of Mid-South Synergy is, that just does fiber, we were going to go to, to Mid-South Fiber. And that was well liked by our membership. Um, at the same time, the studies kind of pointed to maybe we should rebrand the electric cooperative away from Mid-South Synergy and back to Mid-South Electric Co-op. And so we talked about with our board, you know, is it time? Do y'all want to do that? Our board absolutely loved the idea of getting away from Synergy and going back to Mid-South Electric Cooperative. And so uh, we talked to them about, you know, look, it's going to, we're going to have to invest the money in rebranding everything. It's not going to be a quick and easy thing. It's going to cost some money. And the board felt like it was important for us that it kind of brought us back to who we are, especially as it was right at our 80th anniversary. It was kind of a lot of things at the same time. We felt like it was, it was pushing into this new world. We're bringing fiber to you as Mid-South Fiber. We're bringing electricity to you as Mid-South Electric Co-op. And we're bringing water to you as Mid-South Water Services. That just, to them, instead of tying together around Synergy, we're tying everything together around Mid-South using the same logo, um, essentially, but changing it with the different pieces. And then we also went with different colors. So now we have the electric cooperative traditional blue. That's, we were always blue, so we stayed with blue. Water, we have a kind of a blue logo as well. And fiber, I say we went to more of a maroon color just because I'm an Aggie, but um, the marketing folks call it some sort of orange. But I just... You know, I've, I've gotten over that and, you know, they had to bring the data to me to say that orange is more recognizable. And so far I can say, I think it's worked because it's done well for us, but that's, it's not, well, let me just back up. It's not an easy thing to do to rebrand everything. But again, our board, I think really wanted to not just jump in and brand fiber. They felt like that this was a time for us to be seen as a rebirth of a cooperative and ready for the next 80 years. That's, that's where they really felt like that this was a long-term decision. This is where we're headed. Um, they had bought into fiber. They bought into what we were doing and they felt like it was time for us to just jump out there and make that happen. So anyway, that's, that's our story. It's not easy, but we're excited about it. So we're no longer Mid-South Synergy. We're Mid-South Electric Cooperative Association and Mid-South Fiber. And, you know, to all the listeners, that's all the time that we have today. Carrie, thank you so much for your time today. You've been a wealth of knowledge, and we look forward to all the listeners coming back with questions, and then maybe we'll schedule another podcast sometime to dive into those areas. Um, thanks again to our listeners, and we hope you tune in again for another episode of Co-ops Connect. Thank you for listening. Co-ops Connect is brought to you by Connexon the industry leader in rural fiber network design and construction management. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions and topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Please email us, marketing at connexon.us with your suggestions or for more information on how we support electric co-ops deploying broadband.